0: And I haven't preached it anywhere yet. It's a, I've preached the passage, but not this message. The Lord gave me uh, some fresh thoughts on it—at least fresh for me—the other week, and wasn't sure where He wanted me to preach it. But the Lord confirmed that for me. First Corinthians fifteen. Are you there? All right. Let's let's look at verse number thirty-three. And I'll read just a few, ver- a couple of verses. He said, "Be not deceived." That's a good word for this day, isn't it? Uh, there's a lot of deception, but you'll, you'll never go wrong if you go back to the book and see what God had to say in His Word. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And now, he's talking to Christians here. He says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. And th- this is, I know I'm only 37 and uh, I've not been around too long, but uh, this is the sleepiest generation I've ever preached to. And um, by the grace of God, I have been preaching 26 years. So I've I've preached a little while, and um, it seems that, and I'm not talking about physically, it seems that folks are just sleeping. Uh, We need to wake up. He says, awake to righteousness and sin not. Uh, Five years ago, did you see sin as you see it today? I'd say you probably saw sin a whole lot worse. You looked at it more for what it really was five years ago than what you do tonight or today. Verse 34, again, he says, Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. And I'm not here to shame you. Um, I don't have to. Um, I read verses like this and I find myself ashamed. And uh, and, and, and And am I the reason that others do not have the knowledge of God. Yes, sir. Uh, the Lord brought that verse to my heart, so I just wanted to bring that to you, but would you go to Luke, to Luke this morning, Luke 16. Uh, Brother Shock said last night that Jonah had to go down into that whale's belly to get a vision of hell. and um, Only God can give us that vision of hell that we need. Amen. Um, but you know the passage, it's familiar, but uh, years ago I was just a, a younger fellow at, at youth camp and I preached a message called, A Window View of Hell. And that's what I believe we see here in Luke 16, is our Lord, in so many words, He, he just opens the window. And from this sphere of time, He let, he lets us peek into to eternity right. obviously things are not now as they were then in, in the heart of the earth our Lord led paradise to heaven I'm not going to deal with all that this morning um, and I believe hell then enlarged itself uh, but, but this is just a glimpse and, and perhaps this is only a reminder this morning uh, but hell is still a real place yeah. I appreciated hearing it last night, and it's not something we need to forget. And preachers, if we follow the footsteps of our Master, of our Savior, of our Lord, he mentioned hell more than he did heaven. He was faithful to warn sinners that hell is real. So Luke 16 verse 19, and I am definitely not of the camp that this is a parable, uh, I believe this is a true story, story. It's a, a, and this is my thought this morning, is hell's historic reality. It's a, it's a story from history. Right. It's an account. Verse 19, Luke 16, There was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren. He may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. I heard a preacher, I didn't hear the message, but he preached on a mission conference in hell. Verse 29, Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets... Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham. But if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Father, we thank you for the good day. And Lord, we do rejoice in the cross this morning. The fact that you gave your son He gave His life for sinners. Help us to glory in it. And Lord, boast in it. Lord, for this is our only boasting, that Lord, we are great sinners who have come to to learn and love and know the great Savior. And we can only boast in His cross, in His work, in His person. And Lord, we, we run... Uh, Lord, that day we ran under the shelter of His blood. And I thank You for the blood of of the cross of Christ. But Lord, help us this morning to see it, to understand it afresh and anew. Lord, there are people in Oklahoma City and back home in Harriman, Tennessee, Lord, in Kansas, in Vietnam, in Oregon, in every country of the world, Lord, from the White House to the Poor House, people are going to hell. Help us to love you. Help us to love them. And I ask my prayer now in Jesus' name, for His sake, amen. I I know this doesn't really probably need to be said this morning, but let me ask you a question Uh, Start with this question, fact or fiction? How do you really see hell this morning? Do you see it as fact or do you see it as fiction? Our Lord saw it as absolute fact. And He talked about it and He taught it as it is in truth. And so uh, hell has a, a historic reality. Uh, right now, this moment, there's a rich man, and he's in hell, and that's the truth of the matter. Uh, I don't know that I'm sure they're around. I, I don't really keep up with a whole lot of it. Probably should keep up with more of it. Uh, but no matter how popular the preacher may be. Uh, It matters not if a preacher stands and denies the fiery torments of hell. He's a liar and a false prophet. It matters not all the persuasive cults of our day that deny its reality. If it's in this Bible, and it is, then this is the way we have to believe. And um, while I'm here, it, it matters not that Hollywood has fantasized and glamorized and dramatized things so much that, that we're numb to these realities. We're numb to sin and death and hell and eternity. We go through life so nonchalantly with no, no sobriety of mind, no seriousness in our Christianity no, The preacher talked about but no willingness to commit when it comes to God's work and God's way and God's house and God's desire to do our part and God's desire to reach the world. And so there's the matter of history to consider. Verse 19, if you look at it, I just want to go verse by verse. He said there was a certain rich man clothed in purple, Verse 20, there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Number one, these were real men. Real men. The rich man's not named. You know why he's not named? Proverbs chapter 10 verse 7, The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. God didn't remember his name. His name's rotting away as he's burning in hell. There was a certain rich man. He was a real man. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus. This man is named because this man is known by the Lord. He was a believer. His memory is now blessed forevermore. Real men. Jesus looked at his little audience. I I, I didn't go back through the context, but those Pharisees, those publicans, no, no matter the size, but he looked at that audience and he began to think in his mind and in his heart of two men who lived, who died, who entered eternity. Real men. But these are what I call representative men. You see, Proverbs 22.2, the Bible says, The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. So verse 19, there's a prince, most likely, but he was really a pauper. And the end. Verse 20, there's a believer named, there's a beggar named Lazarus, but he was a believer. So in, in these two men, you find a representation of all men. There's the rich man, there's the poor man. So we could, we could stand them up here this morning side by side. I think it'd be better to, to lay them down before us side by side in their coffins this morning. The rich man's there, rich and royal in his mahogany, in his casket, the finest of upholstery on the inside. All of his friends have gathered. All of his friends are mourning. And then there's there's the old pine box with little old Lazarus, the old beggar who was filled with sores, who had nobody but to carry him and lay him at the gate. He was abused. He was overlooked. He was forgotten about. But there he sits in his pine box. There's the rich man in his royal box. You know what happened? They've met together. The rich and the poor. It's really a portrait of all humanity. You may not be rich this morning. You may not be poor. But guess what? You're somewhere in between. And so this applies to all men everywhere. Representative men. That's, that's what I call the matter of history. But then the matter of eternity. That we need to consider. If you look to verse twenty-two, I, I want to place an emphasis upon time to help us consider eternity. All right, because eternity is hard to grasp. I believe it's written into the heart of man, uh, but but to better grasp it, let's consider time. All right, verse twenty-two, and it came to pass. This speaks about the course. Of time, it came to pass. It, it came to be. This is how it was. These men lived. They they worked. They hurt. They found a doctor. They they sat down to a meal. They they went to Golden Corral. I mean, praise the Lord. They yeah. they, they they met. They met at the church house. At least one of them did when he could. But but then it came to pass. You, you know what happened. This morning, the sun rose. You know what's going to happen this evening? The sun will set. Time waits for no man. It doesn't get in a hurry. Really. But it never slows down. Time has that, that, that unstoppable march. It moves on and on and on and on and no man anywhere can stop time in its progress. I don't know the hour. You don't know the hour. But in every one of our lives, apart from the blessed hope, the rapture of the church, it will come to pass. For me. For you. For our loved ones. My my grandpa Cooley, he's probably going to die within the next few days or weeks. It is coming to pass for my grandfather. It came to pass for just a few weeks ago for our brother's mother. And then now there's one in the hospital. And who knows when it will be he'll leave this life. Amen. The course of time, we can't stop it. We're here. What's the Bible say? What is your life? It's even a vapor. It appeareth for a little Wow. And then it vanisheth yep. away. I think about the, the, the course of time and you think about it, Pastor Bell and I talked about it, but most people work their whole life for that little section at the end called retirement. But then then you think about our I'm a little ahead of myself, it'll be all right, but you think about our lifetime. All right, Our lifetime, it's just a dash on a tombstone. But, but you think about it in, in reference to eternity. It, it's just one itty-bitty grain of sand on the seashore. It's one little twinkle of a fading star in the night sky. It's one, what's the smallest, I don't know, nanosecond of all of our existence. We can't imagine we we have this life, we have this time, and the course is being run, but it will come to pass that the beggar dies, that the rich man dies, that you die, that I die. And so this brings me to think about the consequences of time. I know it's a sad thought. I know it's a sobering thought, but from the very first moment when they smacked us in the hospital, we took our first breath, so to speak, outside the womb. From that moment, we began to die. This is where all men, all women, all children are going. All are marching through time toward eternity. The consequences of time. It is appointed unto man, what? Once to die. Yes. But after this, the judgment. Those 30,000 people at the base, brother, they're going to be judged one day. Right. But before judgment, they go through death and then there's hell for those that reject Christ. Yeah. The course of time, the consequences of time, it's the same for us all in the sense that all men will go by the way of the grave apart from the rapture, whether rich, whether poor. They both died. Praise God, things were different in eternity. uh, And we'll get there, but well, that's where we are, the choices of time. Why did the rich man go to hell? Why did Lazarus go to paradise? We're going to call it heaven. Because, and I'm not reducing it to just a decisional regeneration. One, two, three, repeat after me. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. But the fact of the matter is truly this. The question that Pilate said to that angry mob, What will ye then that I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? That's that's the unavoidable question that every soul on the face of this earth has to answer for himself or herself. The choices in this life affect the world to come. What will we do? What have we done? With Jesus, which is called Christ. Obviously, this rich man, he was too busy partying, entertaining. He fared sumptuously every day. Uh, He had no time for God. He had no use for God. He gave no thought to hell, to death, to eternity. Lazarus, he went the other way. He said, yeah. Read me from that book again. Let me hear it again. I believe I'll go this way. And though he had little in this life, he was living for the world to come. That's that divine watershed, the gospel. What will men do with what they hear concerning Christ? But you know the time for that choice to either receive Christ Jesus the Lord or reject Christ Jesus the Lord, it's now. It's now. It's in this lifetime. The, the matter of eternity, and I, I can't really fathom it. You can't really fathom it. Uh, but, but let me read you a quote I, I, I picked up. Hyman J. Appleman said, Should you make your abode in hell, you will see the burning faces, the glazed eyes, the tortured hands of fellow prisoners of damnation, You will recognize, God forbid, husband, wife, father, mother, brother, sister, son, daughter, friend, neighbor, that you could as easily have taken to heaven as dragged down to hell. Oh, that awful mass of weeping, wailing humanity that inhabits hell. They too cry, one heaven-searching cry to God, but alas, too late. All cry that endless refrain forever, 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 beyond God forever, beyond Christ forever, beyond the Spirit forever, beyond the Bible forever, beyond the Gospel forever, beyond the cross forever. Beyond the blood forever, beyond tears forever, beyond repentance forever, beyond faith forever, beyond confession forever, beyond time forever, beyond eternity forever, 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 forever. forever. I can't really fathom it, but it's forever. The book of the Revelation, the smoke of their torment is sent up forever and forever. This is where sinners will be forever. The choices then, the choices are are but two. Preacher mentioned it last night. I don't think it would be an issue here, but there's no temporary holding place in purgatory. There's no in between. There's no annihilation of the soul. There's no soul sleep. There's no state of nirvana or some sort of crazy nothingness. There's either heaven, that wonderful place of comfort. And this passage undeniably teaches the consciousness of those in eternity. Lazarus is comforted, he's on that blessed side here in paradise, Uh, he's in the presence of the Lord place of peace and rest and comfort. You can read about it in Revelation 21. It's a wonderful place. What a, what a place our Lord's prepared for us. Yes, but hell is an awful place. Uh, the Bible defines hell as a real place full of real punishment for real people. It's a place of, of torment. Physically, Luke 16, 24, He said, Send Lazarus that he may what, dip the tip of his finger in water. Cool my tongue. There's physical torment in hell. Right. There's emotional. There's mental torment. Verse twenty-five. He said, "Son, remember the mental anguish yes, sir. in hell." Uh, but but I, I don't know. Uh, Brother Shock mentioned it last night when he prayed for his boy. And uh, there's times where I I really pray. And, and to my shame, it ought to be every time for any sinner. But, but when it comes to my children, brother, I start to pray a different way Amen. when I think about their souls. Amen. And maybe this would be the, the worst, I don't know, but, but the emotional torment of hell. He, he said, I've got five brothers. Could you imagine? You're in hell, and then you you realize... I've paved the way for my family to come to this place. What torment? Of course, the word torment, if you, if you study it, look it up, it, it speaks about the, the touchstone, a grinding stone for sharpening and honing, and, and leads you to think about not only a torment, but, it, but it's, a, it's a torturing. It's a torturing. It brings in the idea of grieving and sorrowing. Our our Lord in Matthew 22, He spoke about a place of outer darkness where there's weeping and there's gnashing teeth. No doubt they're gnashing in anger. No doubt they're, they're gnashing in rage. But oh, the grief in their soul that forever... No release. No relief. No return from this place. The torment of hell. And no doubt it, when death and hell are delivered up into the lake of fire, you think about a lake and then, and then transmit that to a lake filled with fire. And I think about the, 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 the thought, the fear of drowning and you're gasping for that breath, and all you can suck in is water, but you you transmit that into the lake of fire, and you're forever drowning, and you're forever falling, and you're forever tumbling in that awful pit, and it's not water. It's not oxygen. It's fire. And you're scorched, and you're tormented, and you're in pain. And you're desiring for just one drop. One little drop of water. But God has to say no. The door's shut. Your time is over. you made your decision. This is your eternal abode. Depart from me, ye cursed. He said, into everlasting fire. Everlasting fire. Praise God, it was prepared not for us, but for the devil and his angels, but all those who side against God obviously side with Satan take their sides against God and are consigned to the awful place called hell. But not only the matter of, and I've got into this already, but let me emphasize it again, history, eternity, but the matter of of misery. If you'll look back to verse 24, and I want to enlarge this a little bit, there's number one, the misery of remembrance. Verse 24, this is the rich man now. He cried and said, Father Abraham. I I believe he was no doubt a a Jew. And therefore he had some knowledge. He went to hell against light. Not from a dark, deep, dark region where there was no light shining. He went to hell against light, against the revelation of God's Word. But he said, have mercy on me. There's no mercy. No mercy left. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. There's no water. There's no relief. I just want him to cool my tongue, for I am tormented. So, this is a word spoken in torment. Now, did you get that? He he has his faculties. He sees, he recognizes, he speaks, he, he feels. But notice the response a word spoken in truth from Abraham to the rich man. He said, Son, remember that the misery of remembrance, remember that thou, well, let me back up. Remember, this speaks about his, his past, which was before eternity. His, his past, that thou in thy lifetime, that's all we have, folks, is this lifetime i I tuned into my church just to hear a little bit this morning, and Brother Montgomery was stood to do the devotion, the opening like Brother Chris did, and here was what he said he said he said, "The Lord's been good to me. I'm almost eighty five years old. Maybe God'll give you eighty five years. maybe he'll give me eighty five years, but whatever." Time he gives me. That, that's all we have. I know he was a in this preacher. I enjoy listening to some of his preaching. Leonard Ravenhill said that this life is just a dressing room for eternity. This is a little off target, but maybe not off target since we're a missions conference. But you know, if you was going to give to missions, obviously I need support, you know, but that's not why I say this, but. If you're gonna give the missions, you better start giving. If you're gonna pray for your family, if you're gonna decide to, you know, I get in trouble when I say this, but it's all right. If you if you're gonna decide to shut off the Facebook, shut off the cell phone, turn off the TV, and actually pray for somebody, we better do it now. If if we're gonna get serious about our Bible reading and Bible study and Praying for our pastor. The preacher said it last night. Jonah was the only thing unprepared. If we're going to start getting prepared to come into God's house, we'd better do it now, folks. Time is running out, Jesus is coming. And I don't want to leave this life, so to speak, and leave my money for the Antichrist. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not telling you to be foolish. But I want to invest my money in the world that is to come and reap those eternal dividends. I want to invest myself. 2 Corinthians 8, you know what they did first? They gave them own selves to the Lord. We've we've got a yellow plate in the back of the pastor's office, probably big enough, but we need an offering plate. I know there's some somewhere. and We need to step inside it first once God gets your heart, just like the preacher said last night, once He gets your heart, these other things will follow. And so there's the misery of remembrance, your lifetime. That's the past before eternity. But notice what He said in verse 25, the end, but now. This speaks about the present in eternity. I understand eternity is eternity, but... For these men, now, in eternity, the Bible records a now for them. The present state that forever, I know eternity past, present, future, but in the sense of once we get into eternity, the tense is now. It's not going to run out. It's now. Now, Lazarus, praise God, he's comforted. But now, the rich man, he is tormented. This moment, right now, things have not changed in that sense for these men. One is still being comforted and will forever be comforted. And one is still and will forever be tormented. In these flames. But then he says, verse 26, Beside all this between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. And here's what I want to call the permanence of eternity. You know, thank God there's some things in this life that we can, we can reverse. There's some things you can't reverse. If you lose your purity before marriage... Irreversible. If you gossip about the preacher and spread malicious words, it's like a feather pillow you take outside on an Oklahoma day with an Oklahoma sun and an Oklahoma wind and the feathers scatter everywhere. Guess what? You'll never recover all that. I've been counseling a, a, a man the last several weeks. He chose a bad way, walked down the path of immorality. There are some things down in his life that he'll never, ever reverse. It's still true, sin will always take us farther than we meant to go, keep us longer than we meant to stay, cost us more than we ever wanted to pay. There's some things irreversible. Thank God some things are reversible, but, but once you get to eternity, it's fixed. There's no reversal there's no changing. it's permanent. It is as it will forever. Be. he said it's an impossibility even if we could come to you or even if we would we can't it's fixed we cannot pass uh, you cannot pass from hence to you and and they cannot pass from us to you it's an impossibility and so verse 27 is the misery of regret and I've talked about this already but let me remind you You know, the rich man, when he was living, you know what he had? He had no use for prayer. He had no use for preaching. He didn't think repentance was important, but he does now. He said in verse 27, I I pray thee, therefore, Father. He's praying. He believes in prayer now. But it took a rich man dying and going to hell before he believes in prayer. Guess what else he's asking for? Send Lazarus. That he'll do what? That he'll testify. He's asking for a preacher. He's asking for a witness. He's asking for a testimony. He's not scoffing God's man and God's house and God's witnesses anymore. He says, oh, send him to my house. Amen. The misery of regret. No doubt. Scrolling through the, the mind and memory of those in hell this day. Is every preacher. yes, Every witness. Every mother, every father, every brother, every time that somebody sought to win. And you know what they're saying? Oh, if I had have just believed. Oh, if I had have just called. If I had have just come. Oh, if I had just heard that preacher and turn from what I was and recognize that God's word was true about me and called on his son and, and cast myself down at his feet as a helpless sinner, deserving hell, turning from my sins and trusting in his blood. Oh, if I only had of Amen. the misery of regret. But the greatest regret perhaps in this man's heart is that he had five brothers who were close on his heels and fast on their way. To hell wanting to live it up like older brother, if you will, I'm just my little thought he's probably the oldest of the six. But then verse 29, through the end of the, the chapter, and I'll be done, is the misery of reality, reality. and I've already hit this once, but I'm going to hit it twice. Um, folks don't live in reality anymore. You understand what i'm saying they They get up and they go to the work and they they believe the news media and they believe Hollywood and they they believe everything they read on Facebook, at least the guys I used to work with, you know, not all of them they were some some sharp ones but but it, it's a lot like if you if you read Psalm two, he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord should have them in derision. I, I preached on that recently, and here, here's what I want to say about it. Um, that the lord the Lord's the one who's going to have the last laugh. You see, we live in such a society today that that all men ever want to do is is be entertained, be amused and and they just they want to laugh and and I'm not against a merry heart and that, that's not what I'm talking about. but you know? the world is laughing itself straight into hell they would rather just shut the blinds turn off the lights and, and, and forsake reality to watch this 30 minute show and get glued and get consumed or just wake up in the morning and go through the routine and never ever stop to consider Reality. Right. Yeah. So much so, I say it this way because the rich man, he he said, well, Abraham said, I can't send Lazarus. Your brothers, they have Moses and the prophets. I, I believe that he, he's saying they have the scriptures. Amen. They have the law. They have the prophets. They have the word of God. Amen. Let them hear them. Yes, and I know you've run across them. I've had several... And they all, they all want to tell me, well, that book's make-believe. And I said, well, there's one thing about it. I do believe it. And it's not make-believe. And one day you'll come to find that, but it'll be too late. Amen. Let them hear them. But, but here's, here's why I say reality. So there's a reliable witness in the Scriptures. Verse 29. But, but then there's a reasonable witness. Verse 30 and 31. I know you've probably seen them, maybe even read it. I'm not going to get... On you, if you've read it, but I don't need anybody to die. So supposedly die, go to hell for thirty seconds, come back, and write a book for me to believe it. I don't need anybody, their little kid, to supposedly die and go to heaven, and then they make a movie about it for me to believe in heaven. Abraham said no, or excuse me, he said he answered. The rich man said, "Nay, father Abraham, but if one went into them from the dead." If something supernatural, if something miraculous, if you would just send someone back from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Here's the fact. Here's the reality of it. If you and I as believers are not persuaded by what is written, then we're not going to be persuaded. If sinners are not persuaded by the preaching of this supernatural book, it's been breathed by God, it's been preserved by God, it's given by God, it it already has, and it will forever stand all that Satan can throw at it. But if men, the fact of it is, if men won't respond to the preaching of the Word of God, then they're not going to respond. They're going to die and go to hell. So that's why, you know what we need to do? We need to get behind our preacher and say, preacher, preach that book. Preach the Word, O preacher. Give us the Word of God, O man of God. And then as we get behind our preacher and we follow him as he follows God and we see the church grow and we see the glory of God in our own midst, we say, now preacher, let's get some more preachers. Let's bring in some missionaries. Let's bring in some evangelists. Let's not just put our prayers behind them. Let's put our possessions behind them. Let's get, this whole, let's get this whole world in touch with this message that we know will save their soul. We have the message this world needs to hear. And if men would stay out of hell, then they must hear. The word of God. I'm done preaching. Amen. Amen.